there's King James said it like this, by the renewing of your mind, New, New Living Translation says, by changing the way you think. Now, I know the older we get, the more entrenched in our ways we get. Thereby, we hear a saying, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So I want to sum up what I want to say this weekend, and that is that God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is changing your circumstances. I said God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is changing your circumstances. And you say, well, I don't know. I, I want him to take away my problems. I want him to take away the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, the sickness, the sadness. And he says, yeah, that's part of it. But right now, I would rather change your mind. I would rather change the way you think. Because nothing happens in your life or my life until we get our mind renewed, until we change the way we think. No change takes place until then. So why is it that I must change um, or manage my mind? I want to give you three reasons why it's important for you to manage your mind. And I want to tell you something. You are the manager of your mind. You must change or manage your mind because every single action we take starts with a thought. If you don't think it, you don't do it whether it's good or whether it's bad. If you don't think it, you don't do it. Uh, whether you're doing something for the Lord, whether you're doing something for yourself or someone else. Proverbs 4 and 23 says in today's English version, be careful how you think because your life is shaped. Oh, by the way, you got notes in front of you there. Uh, and my apologies, I've been in such a, a, a rush that uh, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention and sometimes it's hard for you to hang on. Uh, or buckle your seat and stay up with me. But nonetheless, if you'll just strap in and, and we'll go for it. And if you have questions, we'll answer them afterwards um, in life group, that is. So um, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The Bible says the power of the mind, the power of our thoughts has a tremendous ability to change your life for the good or for the bad. If you accept the thought that comes to your mind when somebody said you're worthless, you're a heathen, you're no good, you don't matter, you're no account, you're uneducated, you're ugly, and, and you see, the thought that you think don't even have to be true. But if you accept it as truth, it becomes your reality, and you begin to act upon sometimes lies. You begin to act upon what someone has told you and you bought into. See, we're always interested in our feelings. We're going to look at our feelings next week when we talk about our emotional health. Because feelings come and go, but facts remain the same. Are you with me? Say amen. So, uh, your feelings don't shape your life, but your beliefs do. So, so we're going to talk about the emotional roller coaster next week, but today we want to talk about our thoughts, and we're going to talk about how we think about things because this is what shapes our life. It doesn't even have to be true, but if you think it, it shapes your life. And there's a lot of people that's been taught as a kid a lot of bad theology, uh, a lot of bad things about themselves. You know, parents would say, you're, you're, you're lazy, you're ugly, you're, you're no account, you're stupid, or whatever is and you bought into it and for all your life and you're 35 now and you still think you're stupid and fat and ugly and all of these things. 
because you bought into what somebody else said. Are you with me? Say amen. So listen, the second thing you've got to understand about managing your mind and the reason it's important for you to manage your mind is that because the mind is the battleground for sin. We think temptation is out there somewhere. We think that it is external, but it is not. Temptation always happens between our ears. It happens right here. You see, because if there was not something inside of me that reached out for that, it wouldn't matter what I saw. Are you with me? Pastor Rick Warren said, for instance, he said, smoking. He said, I have never, ever in my life been tempted to smoke a cigarette, ever. He said, I just, it never appealed to me. He said, I think it stinks. And someone asked him, said, well, Pastor, will this carry you to hell? And he said, well, I don't think it will carry you to hell, but it will make you smell like you've been. <laughs> so, so, but he said, I'm not tempted because, it, you know, it, I think it stinks. However, there's other areas where he could be tempted. It's almost like a magnet. If I don't have the steel inside of me, I cannot be attracted to the magnet. You understand what I'm saying? So while temptation is out there, there is something inside of us that longs for or else it could not be. Paul said in Romans, let me show you the battle. In Romans 7, he says, I love to do God's will as so far as my new nature is concerned. Are you, are you with me on that? Uh, Romans 7, 22 and 23. I, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But, there's always a but. And often it's a big one. And in the scripture here, it's a big one. He says, I love to do God's will as far as my new nature is concerned. But... There's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and it wins the fight and it makes me a slave to the sin within me. So in my mind, I want to serve, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself being enslaved to sin. Are you with me? I, I find myself being enslaved to sin. So you can all identify with these words in here. He talked about war. He talked about the fight. He talked about slaves and being enslaved. You see, it's one of the reasons why you get mentally fatigued because there's a constant battle going on in my mind all day long. And the reason the battle is in your brain and the reason it's debilitating is because the devil is fighting to control your thoughts. He's fighting to control your mind. It is the battleground. The world wants to control your mind. The devil wants to control your mind. And the Holy Spirit would love the opportunity to control your mind. I say to control it. He, he just wants to be there and wants you to reach out to him. He's not going to plug a chip in you and make you a robot to do everything that God wants you to do. you got to want to do that. Here's what you got to understand. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever gets your attention. You see, the person who runs off the road is typically the one that got fixated on something over here. And all of a sudden, they're off the road. Or maybe the old sleep dragon just got them and they just, they just fell prey because they hadn't had no sleep and they fell asleep and that got them and boom, they're gone. I want you to understand something. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. 
A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict. But um, uh, you, know, you see, conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads you to stress. Uh, you see, if you don't manage your thoughts, and you say, well, I can't help, I'm just, yeah, you can. You can help what you think. You can choose, let, let, me, let me show you how easy you can help what you think. When you don't like what you're watching on TV, you reach over and grab the remote. So I don't think I like that, so there's Fred Flintstone now. All right. I don't think I like that, so here's my news program, or here's a Lifetime Movie Network, uh, or, you know, whatever the, the, the renovation shows, Property Brothers or whatever. So the, the Bible says in 8 and 6 of Romans, in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, he says, if your sinful nature controls your minds, there is death. He said, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. So uh, I would rather have life and peace. So listen, here's some choices that you can make. I want us to look at three choices, if we will, uh, that we make on a daily basis to have a healthy mind. And they're, they're, they're simply this. Some say my thoughts are uncontrollable, but that is not true. You can control your thoughts. As a matter of fact, that's why the Bible tells us to keep our mind stayed on the Lord. In fact, nobody else can control your thoughts. Did you know Satan can't even control your thoughts? Now, I want you to understand something. He cannot control your thoughts, but he has the power of suggestion, and those suggestions are very, very formidable. Are you with me? God says, uh, or God's going to say, you know, if you ask God to say, well, God changed my mind. He says, it's your mind. The Bible says the power to will is present with me. In other words, I have my own volition. I get to choose what I want to think about, what I want to do, where I want to go. You don't have to be thinking about uh, what you're thinking about right now. Some of you right now are just thinking, boy, the steak is going to be so good when I get the longhorn. You could put that out of your mind right now and feed on the Word of God. You see, if you want to have a healthy mind, you've got to break away from those bad patterns of thought. You see, you've got to choose to make some choices. And there's three things I want to talk with you about today concerning your mind. And if you can do these, you can be, you can be transformed mentally. Number one, you have got to feed your mind properly. Then you must free your mind, and then you must focus your mind. So right now I want to talk to you about feeding our mind. Let's look at this. We have to feed our mind with what? We must feed our mind with the truth. Thy word, O God, is truth, and thy words are life. So let me ask you, when's the last time you read a chapter out of the Bible? When's the last time you decided to just sit down and read a book of the Bible? The, you see, because we, if we eat just junk, sugar, 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 uh, you know, calories and cholesterol and calories and cholesterol, we get a spreadsheet when we go to the doctor and he says, man, you are a wreck. But we feel good because we had our chocolate and our, you know, this and that and the other. And he says, but you're a wreck. You see, if we will feed ourselves, and I know for us, for me, anything that, is healthy, tastes like junk. I mean, it just tastes, man, get you some super beets, they say. Huh? 
get you some, uh, some, some spinach and some whatever. I don't know. But the stuff that's supposed to be good for you tastes terrible. That's just how it is. But, but here it is. If I want my body to be built up and if I want my bones to be strong and my, my mind to be sharp and, uh, you know, all of the systems of my body to be on go, I need to feed it the things that it needs to be on its A game. And likewise in your spirit, if you want your spirit to be right, if you want your mind to be right, you've got to let it feed on things that are going to make it right. You cannot feed yourself defeating, depressing, damning thoughts all day and be victorious. Can't do it. You have to feed your mind on the truth. Matthew 4 and 4 says people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on the word of God. If you're having trouble feeding on good things, Use a little book called The Promises of God. And, and, and it just goes on and on and on again, talking about the promises of God to God's people. I would suggest getting that book and begin to, or you can just Google the promises of God and, and just begin to read the promises of God. Go to those scriptures where God says he loves us and where God says he wants the best for us and he's never going to leave us and he's going to provide for us and he's going to protect us. And on and on it goes. Feed your mind on good things. I'll never forget when I first moved to the old church years ago. Uh, I took a legal tablet and I lay down at the altar and it was just me. Didn't have no young couples at the time at the church. And I, I sat down at the altar and uh, I began to write out the promises of God to me. And I said, Lord, I'm holding you accountable for these promises you promised me in your word. And I began to believe God. I began to see people trickle in. And everybody that trickled in, well, what do you do? Well, I can hang sheetrock. Well, praise God. What do you do? I'm a plumber. We can use you too. What do I do? I can pour concrete. Well, we need you too. And God began to give us everything we needed. So let me say this. There are over 7,000 promises in the book, in the Holy Writ, over 7,000 of them. So I challenge you to renew your mind with the promises of God and feed on good things for your mind. Give your mind some healthy nutrition, and you'll see what happens. You see, on a computer, uh, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. If we take these hay cards and we don't do anything with the computer with them, guess what? Uh, you know, in a month, I'm going to look back and say, uh, y'all tell me how many first-time guests we had last month, how many second-time guests, and they're going to pull it up and the computer's going to look and say, and then I'm going to be upset because I'm wondering why, because we, we had the people, we had the cards. If you don't feed your mind on the right stuff, you're going to have a bad result. That's just how it is. Psalm 16 and 7 says, even in the darkest night, your teachings fill my mind. So Proverbs 119 and 95, when the wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Let me give you the story of David. David was coronated king. You remember when he killed Goliath and all of those things? Well, um, you remember when Samuel came to visit him, he poured a hint of oil on his head uh, at Hebron. It was five years before he was actually coronated king. And then when he was coronated king, the first king, who was Saul, who displeased God, tried to kill him for the next several years of his life. And so David is on the run. He's a fugitive from the law. He, he's here, although in God's eyes, he's the king. And, and 
and he come upon Saul in a cave, and in more than one occasion he come upon him, and he could have killed him, and his armor bearer had wanted him to kill him, but he said, I will not touch the one whom the Lord has anointed. Although God had already removed his anointing from Saul, so what I'm saying is that David said, when the wicked people hide to ambush me, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Where's he at when he's writing this? He's on the run. He's, someone's trying to kill him. I doubt anybody's out to kill you today. David said, even when people are out to kill me, even in a dark place when I'm hiding out, I keep my mind on the Lord. Is anybody with me? You want, not emotional, that's next week. If you want mental stability, keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Feed your mind properly. And secondly, you must free your mind from destructive thoughts. I have to free my mind. Some of you right now are the prisoner of your own destructive thinking. Some of you are believing the lie that a stepdad or a stepmom or real dad, real mom, grandpa, grandma, somebody, neighbor told you years ago and you're still walking in that falsehood and you're still believing that lie and it's damning your life. You can't seem to do anything. These enemies are, I mean, it's just upon you. You cannot get free from those old words that that person said to you. And so here they are. What are these enemies anyway? It's the enemy. Here's three enemies that come against you uh, when you're trying to free your mind. First of all, it's your old nature. If you got saved last week, you'll start thinking about how much fun you had back when you could just do anything, let it all hang out, and nobody cared. Nobody expected no better than you. Huh? So, so I, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people say, well, man, I'm free. To, I can do this and I can do that and I can do that. Let me tell you something. Uh, can I tell you most of that is, is deceiving? Just, just, just a couple miles from here, three, four people killed last night. Alcohol involved, wouldn't you know? Got a friend of mine just a couple days ago arrested. Cocaine, alcohol. But old pastor, it's so much fun. Just get a buzz and get high with my friends. There's a severe price to pay. Are you with me? It always ends uh, in, in such a bad situation. You know, and the devil, he, he starts out in your mind, but you're going to have so much fun. You know what he told Adam and Eve? Did God really say that you couldn't eat of this tree? You know what? God just knows that you're going to have some fun. God knows you're going to be as bright as he is. You're going to be as smart as he is. You're going to be as powerful as he is. And you begin to reason. Look, don't ever try to reason with the devil. He's been around a lot longer than you. And he knows the word of God a lot better than you. Let, let me try to move on. But our first enemy is the old nature. Paul said it like this in Romans 7 and 23. I see my body, I see in my body a principle at war. He says, with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside of me. He says, there, there's this struggle that's inside of me. Uh, you know, let me ask you this, and I know it's true. You ain't got to raise your hand. Have you ever knowingly and willingly engaged in a bad activity? Yep, we've all, we've, we've all done it. In a bad, in other words, in a self-defeating behavior that you knew was going to go south. Huh? It, it, let, me, let me say this. It's kind of like flirting at work. I mean, you already got on a wedding, man. Let, let me help you with this. So if somebody sort of gives you the eye, like, whoo, you know, and then you wink back, 
guess what has happened? Something started turning right here. Something started, and you know what? In your mind, it said it's all good. She just thinks you worked out, man. You just you the man. But in your mind, something else is saying this. Well, let's see what second base would be like. In your mind. Now, you would never admit it to yourself because you say, I'm strong. I'm an adult. I'm just glad somebody else noticed me. Come on. Lady, he, he left some flowers on the front seat of your car or a note on your windshield. And, you know, rather than just taking that and throwing it aside and calling your husband first and say, I don't know who done this, but you need <laughs> We said, no, I'm strong enough. I'm powerful enough. I got everything worked out. If we're not careful, let me say this. When we, when we begin to entertain something like that, there's only one outcome. Only one. It is always downhill. It is always debilitating. It is always defeating. It is always destructive. And we think we can stop. Y'all with me? Say amen. I remember my dad always said, he, he was talking about mechanical things like cars. Without, he said, don't ever start something you can't stop. But then he applied it spiritually. Amen. Don't start. Some of you don't need to take no social drink because you can't stop. Hello, next thing you know, you got to call me. If you can remember my number. Hello? So you understand what I'm saying. The second thing that's going to fight us is the old enemy, Satan himself. He's going to put lies in your mind. He's going to tell you it's all okay. He's going to say, don't worry about what everybody else thinks about you. This is all about you. Have you ever heard somebody, I heard somebody this past week said, I'm going to live the rest of my life for me. Me. So we're not careful. We get messed up with the way we think. So, um. But the Word of God says that we should listen to the truth of God. That is the road map. Now, when the devil gives us a thought, we call it a temptation. When God gives us a thought, we call it an inspiration. Right? But without a doubt, we, we get thoughts from that run through our mind. You know, you, you've had crazy thoughts go through your mind, haven't you? I mean, just weird, crazy thoughts. Those thoughts are subject to you. You can decide, no, nope, I'm not. It's just like in the bath. If you want a real, real hot bath, you just decide to turn on the hot side. And if you don't have a daughter that bathed before you, you're probably going to get hot water. <laughs> Y'all with me? But if you say, no, I don't like that, I think I want mine a little cooler, you just reach over and turn the other. You get to choose. You cannot help that the birds are flying over your head, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. So Satan wants to keep you in bitterness. He wants to entrap you. He wants to enslave you. Here's what 2 Corinthians said. I'm, oh, oh, I got to tell you this, but um, I, I need to tell you this. He says, the devil wants to enslave us. And 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, he says, I, I have forgiven the man or that man. Talking about the man in the church in 2 Corinthians. I have forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us. The devil has sold some of you a lie that if you hold somebody in unforgiveness because they've done you wrong, they legitimately done you wrong. I mean, treat you like dirt. And they owe you an apology, without a doubt. And somehow the devil has made us think that we're justified in acting the way we act because somebody else owes us an apology. And we're never justified acting like that. Never. Paul said, I have chosen to forgive the person so that the devil don't outsmart me. You know why?
because when the devil gets you thinking, well, I got a right to feel bitter. I got a right to be. Listen, here's what you got a right to do. You don't have to do business with that person no more, or you don't have to do whatever you did with that person no more, but you do have to forgive them. If you want to be forgiven, if you want tranquility in your mind, you've got to forgive them. But Satan would rather have you stay in bitterness. So listen, if you have failed to forgive somebody, if you have failed to let some sort of grief or bitterness go, then you have fallen dead in the middle of Satan's trap. I want you to know the world don't want you to be a settled person. The world don't want you to have peace in your mind. But you see, I said we have to to feed our mind on the truth of God. Isn't that right? We have to free our mind from these debilitating thoughts and the things that we've been told and the lies we have believed. Did you know that there's so many things? You know what a stronghold is in your life? Let me, let me say this as I try to tie this up. First of all, 2 Corinthians 10 says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. He says, He said, Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now let me tell you what, what, a, what a stronghold is. You see, um, so in other words, our weapons have the power to demolish strongholds so we demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if you're thinking the wrong thoughts, you can make that thought captive. You can say, no, no, man. I'm not going to think about how I'm not good enough to have this job. I'm not going to think about I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. No. I take those thoughts captive. Let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie that you've bought into. Let me help you. Let me give you an illustration. That's a stronghold. A, a spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. So the lie might be that God doesn't really love me. That is a lie. The lie might, it might be that, you know, I know better than God how to make me happy. That's a lie. It might be that I should do what I want to do, live how I want to live, and I'll be happier. That's a lie. I know more about this life than God, and that's a lie. It's a stronghold in your life. In other words, your value system, anytime we fall prey and go towards sin, we have believed a lie of the devil. Let, let me help you with this. I'm going to just try to tie it up. How many fishermen do we have? Let me see your hand. A lot of fishermen out there. Listen, the, the, the fisherman goes out there with something that he knows the fish will eat. Drum want a certain kind of bait, huh? Salmon want a certain kind of bait. Trout want a certain specks, want a certain kind. So you just reach in that tackle box or the live bait well, and you reach in and grab what you think is going to be the best. And then you hide that hook deep inside it, and you cast it out there where they're at. You get it set right at the perfect depth, and there they are. And a lot of times bass lures, I know, they're made to, to be glittery and sparkly and shiny like that person that walked down the hall at the office. Woo! Uh, and you did that rubber necking thing, right? You ain't moved your neck that far back since you was 25. Hello? Something flashed by. Woo! Praise the Lord. And in your mind, something said, man, keep on going. But something else said, turn around. She just dropped a pencil. You need to pick it up or something. Hello? 
Let me say something. But but here's what the devil has done. The devil has he, he's hooked a lure on there, and it's glittery, and it's flashy, and maybe even jiggly. Lord and lo and behold, all of a sudden, because sometimes if it ain't moving like it ought to, the old fisherman he'll just bob his hands a little bit, and man he'll make that lure dance a little bit, huh? And man that old fish sitting there, he dies. He's I. I've seen this before, and I, some of my buddies got hooked into this and got pulled out of the... Oh! And then all of a sudden, something pulled back, and that that was so pretty, that that looked so fine, baby, whoa, it glittered and shined and jiggled and all of that. And I have believed a lie. And now I'm being pulled where I do not want to go. And I'm putting my fins in reverse and I'm doing everything. And you know what's happening. You're headed not just, not just to the boat, you're headed to the frying pan. Because you believed a lie. You believed a lie. Mama and daddy told you, little fish, you gotta be careful for that kind of stuff got to be careful. And I want to tell you something. If, if we don't feed our mind on the truth of God, and if we don't free our mind from the lies we've been told, and here it is, we must focus on what God said to us. We have to focus our mind because if we don't, we're in trouble. If we don't focus our mind, we're in trouble. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. Every temptation starts with a lie that we believed. We believed we could be happier outside of God's provision. We believed that we could know more about this or that or the other. And we bought into it and we believed it. The only way to get beyond it is to admit it and say, God, I want to focus on you. I want to focus on you, Lord. I don't want to believe the lie of the devil. I don't want to believe what somebody else said. I want to, I want to believe and walk in what you've said. So I'll feed my mind the right stuff. I'll free my mind from all of the thoughts of negativity. You don't have to listen to another negative thought. You can say, you know what, devil, I choose not to listen to that. I'll fill my mind with scripture. My mind wanders this way, I'll get up and do something else, but I'm not going to sit here and dwell on this. And I have to focus. How do I do that? I'll tell you something, you can focus your mind. Did you know music will focus your mind? That's right. Now you put on some music that I've heard lately, you go kill yourself. But there are, there, there's some music, Adam's playing it right now, No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer enslaved to fear. I am a child of God. You ever sing that? Can you sing that? 